Hello, hello again, and welcome to another season of Coffee with Miss Deeds and Miss Amy. We have loved spending this time with you as we talk about all the joys and exciting happenings at uni, as well as the stressors and the different things that are hard. But we got to keep it real, and we're thankful that you can join us. So enjoy this time. Welcome back to Coffee with the Counselors. Today, we're super excited to continue our Centering Voices um, conversation. And this week's group um, that we're highlighting is students from the LGBTQ plus community. So we have some lovely guests with us today, and we're excited to hear their stories. For our students that are with us today, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves um, and tell us a little bit about how would you describe who you are? Um, okay, well, my name is Caitlin Barber. I am a senior at uni. I'm also the secretary uh, slash treasurer, but that really doesn't count in a Spectrum Club. Um, yeah, my name is Roshan. Um, I'm also a senior and I'm president of Spectrum. Um, I'm Rowan. I'm a junior and I'm the vice president of Spectrum Club. Yeah, uh, in, in terms of like the who are you question is I think really interesting in the context of this discussion about um, LGBTQ plus students uh, and people in the community. Um, because I think you've probably heard this before. I haven't listened to your other episodes, but in terms of a lot of different communities, I think that who you are doesn't always define like this part of my community, like it because I am uh, gay or queer or however you want to describe it. Um, it's not all I am, but it is very important to me. And it's something it's not how I'm going to introduce myself to everybody, but it's how it's if I introduce myself to one person like that, I won't want them to forget it, if that makes sense. I also think like for so many of the like types of identities that are being kind of highlighted in this kind of format, um, they're pretty visible. I mean, like there's no way to hide um, a lot of these specific things like I can I can't really hide the fact that I'm Asian, but I choose every sphere that I go into, every person I meet, how open I'm going to be about this part of like who I am. And so the question like, who are you is very different depending on like what sphere of like your social life or your professional life you're in. Um, so um, I think it is a very complicated question and um, you can you can choose how open you want to be about it but that doesn't change like who you are it just changes um how you're presenting yourself yeah i think uh roshan and caitlin's answers were very good but um i know for me personally i don't really come out to people very often i don't really talk about my sexuality or my gender identity um with people who don't you know know me very well so in like jobs that I've had or, you know, sort of like, I guess, professional spaces, like with teachers or whatever, I don't really like to talk about that kind of thing. Um, or like, you know, I because I feel like it's not super important to people's relationships with me. But I think sort of building off of what Roshan said about um, 
you know, the visibility of someone's identity, this kind of dynamic means that like most of the um, queer phobia that I have experienced personally comes from people who like, I have not told about my identity. And I think it opens us up for um, in school and um, in lots of different spaces it opens us up for like a very kind of unique kind of harm, you know, that can come from someone who really cares about you or who you really care about um, because they, there's something that they don't really, you know, know about you or understand. I don't know if, I think I may have gotten into territory that's not actually related to the question anymore, but that's what Roshan and Caitlin's response when you think of. I think I also just hearing you all sharing your story kind of makes me realize also there's like that aspect of safety because you can't visibly see your gender identity or your sexuality, right? It's so you don't really know what kind of space that you can be safe in unless you know the person that you're talking to or the person that you're building a friendship or relationship with, right? But that's something, something unique as you're sharing that I thought about too, like how do you know you're going to have the safety if you do reveal that aspect of your identity that they're going to receive it in a way that is safe for you, right? No, yeah, for sure. Um, but also kind of going like, I'm white and I can go into interactions with other people, with other people, and they can see that I'm white and that might affect how they speak to me or how they treat me or, you know, under like subconsciously or consciously or whatever. Uh, and I think that can also be true for some queer people. Um, there are stereotypes that exist and there are, you know, gender identities that exist and gender roles that exist. And so subverting those in any way um, can lead to a certain type of, um, you know, overt or subconscious stereotyping of other people. So it is about safety in some respects, but it's also about like acceptance from it. Like the onus is on both the people who are, you know, like having to come out to people um, and deciding if it's safe for them. But it also it just by the nature of our society is also on um, the people who are having to accept those people into their lives one way or the other. I also think like this isn't necessarily true for everybody in the queer community that like you can hide it for many trans people who don't pass for cis or the gender they were assigned at birth, it can be very difficult um, to just like exist without getting profiled like that and um, targeted because of that. So um, it doesn't, it's not necessarily always like invisible. Um, and often it's based on people's assumptions of you rather than your actual gender identity. But um, for, for me, because of like cis passing, um, just like sexuality is not visible at all for me like um it does feel like very much a secret that that it's, it's not wrong to hide but also like constantly having to evaluate whether you're going to tell someone or interact in a specific way or correct someone or anything like that um, can be really hard because every new sphere you come into, you have to make that decision. And it's like not just the first time you go into that. It's like it happens pretty much like very frequently every day. Um, 
that you have to just decide like okay am I, am I gonna tell people this am I gonna tell people that um because if you do then you're risking a lot of safety or your relationship with that person but if you don't you're also risking them revealing something about their own biases that you don't um agree with and then you have to live with that yeah and i think um going off of that as well it can sometimes in terms of like there's definitely things that um are sort of you know visual signals of queerness um that some people have um and i think those things can make it hard to tell whether you know how you're being perceived by people um and that can like the calculus of whether it's like you know safe to come out um in a certain space um is often made you know even more complicated by like oh do people like already like assume things about me because of the way that I look um because I I've had that happen um for sure where I like you know sort of built up this like super strong like stress about like whether or not to tell people and then if I did tell them they would just be like oh yeah obviously like look at you like you're obviously um a queer person and so it's sort of this struggle of like you know so much of it is about how you're being perceived and you can't really tell what people are like thinking about you or the way that they're reading you and I think another thing about like being closeted obviously or not even closeted but just like omission um it just doesn't feel good it just feels like you're hiding a big part of yourself and it just feels very uncomfortable so it's not just that like people will say stuff around you that um you can't like like deal with but like also um it just doesn't it just feels like um you're really hiding a big part of yourself. And that feels like you're kind of betraying yourself in a way, although it's completely fine to be closeted your whole life if you want to, it's, it's everyone's personal decisions. I was just gonna ask a follow-up question. So how do you know when it's the right time for you to share who you are? Because it sounds like there's a lot of dynamics that you're having to balance between and figure out what's right for you. So whether it's if you want to talk about yourself or a friend or whatever like how do you evaluate when that time is right for you or if you ever do I was lucky enough to have a mother who just would like check in every once in a while <laughs> just like ask me uh we uh because of the nature of her position and um we would go to pride just to like set up a table um because of her job uh and just like on the way there she was like Caitlin how would you describe yourself or how would you describe your orientation if someone were to ask you and it took me you know a couple of tries to get it right but um I I don't know it I was definitely lucky enough to have somebody who was able to like listen to me before you know and she wasn't pushy or anything but definitely listened to me before um talking over me or talking over any possibility of anything else i think for me for a while i didn't want to tell anybody else because that made it kind of permanent so i think you have to get to a point in your life 
where you're secure enough in your own identity that telling other people isn't scary in terms of like now you can't change it you know um i also think you have to i mean like it's totally fine to change it after that obviously i have but um like it is like that's maybe the 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 biggest thing was my internal like especially with like my parents like figuring out when I was sure enough to tell them that I would feel confident in what I was saying. And um, I have pretty accepting parents for the most part. Um, so I was worried that things might change, but I wasn't like super worried that like anything super bad would happen. So with like people in my own social sphere, I don't really, I don't really tell people and terms of sexuality um I just like it just kind of comes up and then you're like oh you're queer too and then it becomes a bigger part of the way you interact with that person because it's like you have something in common <laughs> kind of um yeah I think I have sort of a, a very different experience version um which is that I feel like I came out before I was ready and like my parents are pretty accepting of me and you know stuff like that but I definitely felt when I was younger I came out when I was very young um that I there was this pressure that I was like lying to people and I needed to like be honest with everyone in my life um which like forced me to you know sort of do things before I was ready and before I really felt confident and comfortable in myself enough to like defend my identity to people um and so I think what Roshan says is really true that you need to just you obviously you can change your identity after you come out and if talking to people about it is a good way for you to process it then it's definitely, you know, fine for you to come out before you're sure of who you are. Um, but coming out is a process that I don't think, it, some for some people at least, you know, you can't really start it until you feel confident in your identity yourself. But I, you know, it's different for everyone. And lots of people think that, you know, you shouldn't have to come out at all. And I understand that. Um, definitely, which is why I don't really do it anymore. Um, so I don't know, it's kind of a difficult question to answer because it's really just very personal. And I think knowing when you're ready is very difficult because everybody's situation is so different. And if you are wrong, then like, it's not something you can take back and it's not something you can do over again. So you can really only know when you're ready in retrospect. Oh, which is kind of hard. I also want to mention that like um, we have to define what coming out is because a lot of people kind of associate coming out with this big moment where you tell people that are important to you and it's like a big announcement but coming out is it's it's that right but it's also any time that you have to be open that you haven't been open before with something uh, with someone about um, something related to sexuality or gender so it could just be like 
talking to someone and mentioning that you have a partner of the same gender like that is coming out and that is very hard um or um going to pride for the first time like there's a lot of um things that aren't necessarily thought of in like representation and stuff in terms of like what coming out is it usually isn't a grand moment but that doesn't mean it doesn't feel like a big moment um to the person who's doing it um even if they act super casual about it it might still be very hard and in my experience it usually is very hard because there is really no way of predicting what's going to happen even if even if it's just an awkward moment it's still um kind of like why is my identity awkward to people you know so um it's like hard to define when you decide to come out because you come out so many times every week basically and to that end i think coming out to yourself is also a big one that isn't mentioned as much like in mainstream media i think coming out to yourself is a, a process that um like the first time i ever said like the word gay when in refer when referring to myself was to another person um like like i had known something was up but i never wanted to confront it that directly um and I, I don't know, I think that it, it gets really messy sometimes trying to figure out when coming out is um, a final thing or a first thing or, cause it's a gradual process trying to figure out something that deep about yourself. Um, and some people are lucky enough to be, to bo be born like knowing um, or having a society that already um, reassures them of their uh, orientation or their gender or whatnot, but um for some other people it's not it's not as easy uh, that's just something to keep in mind yeah there just seems to be so many different nuances and challenges and difficulties and different things um in terms of the journey that you are on um being an lgbtq person but i wanted to kind of shift the conversation um to something like what are some traditions and celebrations um, within the LGBTQ community that you love and that you cherish? Can you think of anything that you feel like is kind of unique to your community that you love? I mean, I feel like the big one is pride. Um, it's kind of controversial, like some people don't like it, some people do, um, but it does feel like the majority of us like it as a, as a reminder, of, like everything that we've gained in the past, like. 50 years alone, not that it started 50 years ago or anything. And um, also that there's like this huge, huge backing of a community um, behind you, even if the people like you go to pride and there's like 50 moms holding signs that are like, I'll give out hugs if your parents won't give you hugs, you know, like, there's just like a huge community that's really supportive, even if they don't even know you personally. I do think community is a big part of like a tradition in, in some ways that is important to LGBTQ people because uh, we've like it's hard to have a tradition tradition when your history has been erased for so long. And that's true of many different cultures. I, I won't like single that out just for like queer people, uh, but um, we do have a, something of a unique perspective on the fact that we've become like don't ask don't tell and for instance in the military or um 
I mean, all the transgender bands that are going on right now are just trying to like repress your your per, your person on a personal level, but also on like a cultural level. So I think what Roshan was saying about like um, having a reminder of the things you've gained over the years um, is incredibly important. Uh, but also just the fact that there was a community that was there throughout history that although it might not have come to the surface, but it, it was it was present and it was in people's lives from the very beginning uh, just trying to find each other yeah I think that's all definitely true and, uh, and I think there's also some challenge um that sort of going along with what Caitlin said uh in terms of like it's queerness isn't really something that like uh runs in families or something like it's not like a religious identity or an ethnicity that you might have like everyone in your family is like the same way. And so you have these like family traditions that are passed down that way. Um, and so uh, there is definitely this big, this focus on like, you know, sort of digging up uh, like historical figures or like sort of trying to piece together a sort of history um, to like build traditions and like build a cohesive community because it is something that needs to be built. It doesn't just exist. And you need to like sort of go out and like find um, like traditions and, and community. And like, it's something you have to like seek um, pretty actively. Uh, it doesn't really just like come to you. So I think um, with things like pride, it's a very like something you actively participate in. Um, and there's definitely like Russian so there's a lot of like controversy around it. And I think you would be hard pressed to find anything that is um, universally agreed upon as good throughout the community. Um, uh, but pride is definitely a good one, especially because it has this link to this sort of like piece of queer history that can't be covered up. Like no matter how much you try to erase like queer historical figures or like ignore stuff like that. Like you can't just ignore something like Stonewall. Like that is a huge, huge piece of history that is just like so undeniably part of our community that um, I think the fact that our sort of biggest tradition uh, stems from that is makes a lot of sense. You guys' insights are incredible and we really appreciate your vulnerability through this conversation. Um, our next question is kind of similar to where we've kind of been, but if you have more to add, um, how have you had, how have your experiences of being LGBT been unique to you? If there's anything that you feel comfortable sharing with the people that listen to this and to us, uh, we would love to hear about it. I mean, I think one of the funny things about being queer is how little of it is actually unique to you. Like there's so many experiences that within your um, age range and, and identity and um, you know class and all of that stuff within that, like everybody is kind of universal, like the way that you deal with a lot of this stuff. Like you, if you talk to a bunch of queer people, they'll all have stories about when they found out like who like, they told like how they re went online and watched a bunch of videos or took quizzes like um 
all of it is a little bit universal, which is a weird experience because it feels so isolating while you're doing it. Um, but I think sometimes at uni, um, the experience of being queer and not white feels a little unique, not because it is in any way. There are so many people who are at, both at uni and outside of uni who are non-white and queer, but um, it does feel a little like, a, like I don't see people that exist kind of the same way I do, which can be hard. Um, but in terms of like positive things that are unique to me, I think that what Roshan touched on there was like kind of um, a sense that the being queer, and this is kind of an obvious answer, there's no right way to be queer, and there's no one way to be queer. Um, like it, like the experience of being queer is so like, or LGBTQ is so um, nuanced and can go so many different directions for every single person. And they all have their own individual stories, um, which I think is really interesting as like community. Um, which is something that Rowan also touched on, which is like um, the fact that you can build a community based off of like seeking out one instead of being born into one. Um, but to answer the question directly, <laughs> how have uh, experiences been unique to me? That's that's really tricky. I think that I, I think that we've touched on it a lot already, which is just the mere fact that a community is so. Uh, accepting and like welcoming and warm. I don't know. I'll, I'll try to think on that more. Um, I the things that jump out to me the most are definitely like sort of um, experiences in the classroom that you might not have if you weren't LGBT. So um, in terms of like what I was talking about earlier um, and what Caitlin mentioned of like having to seek out like your history and stuff there are so many examples of like being in a class and a certain historical figure will come up and we'll talk about them. And like all of the um, queer students in the classroom know that this is like a generally accepted queer historical figure, but like it isn't mentioned because we don't talk about that in class. Um, so there's this sense of like knowing um, sort of like this information about like your history, like parallel history that isn't discussed, but then everybody in the classroom who has like access to it um, is like all thinking about it when it is mentioned. And then also um, in the classroom being like directly called out by teachers and like called upon to be an educator because you have access to this sort of world. So I know for me, because I'm in Spectrum and I've been a Spectrum leader for multiple years, um, I have been asked by teachers to like act um, as an educator about LGBT history. And I think this is something that's definitely applicable to a lot of identities, including like racial identities and um, religious identities as well. I've definitely seen it happen to um, people, classmates who come from different religious backgrounds, but it is um, kind of a really interesting experience to have because you have to like seek out this information about your community and your community's history, then you're often um, relied on to be like sort of an access point to queerness for everyone um, in like your family or your class or whatever kind of sphere. So that's sort of a unique experience of being like a queer student. 
Yeah, tokenizing is something that's not as fun to be, but like being in a in a, a group full of predominantly like cis heterosexual people, it definitely tends to happen. But um, something that Rowan said, I'm kind of like basically reiterating something that Rowan said, but like in like a new way, um, which is just the fact that you are teaching yourself so much of your history is something that I don't think happens quite as much um, to uh, some other more um, majority identities. Uh, yeah, like I've, I've done history projects just sort of like of my own volition on queer history just because I don't get taught about it on, you know, on in the classroom. And this is the this is the outlet that I have to like find that narrative for myself. So I think I think that is a, a unique part of our identity is just sort of like mapping out exactly where we came from on our own time. Yeah, kind of like I have I've learned stuff about like Indian history and like Jewish history, like from my parents, um, but I can't learn about queer history from my parents. Um, so you kind of have to discover it all on your own. And since the queer community has so many different labels and language is such a big part of it, a lot of teachers don't know the right language or don't know the right labels and then feel like they are entitled to ask you to explain it instead of like doing the research on their own. And I understand that like as president, I have made myself available for that and I'm fine doing that, but um, they do it for basically anyone in the class that they think is queer, they'll just like ask. Um, and I don't think that's unique to any one person in the community though, because I feel like it's pretty universal for our generation of LGBT people. And then that also leads to this experience of having to like speak for identities and communities that you're not a part of and like explain things about like identities that you don't have or like because um, you're asked to speak for like all queer people. And I find this really kind of funny almost because like if you look into it at all, there is like almost nothing that we all agree on. So like asking one person to speak for even their own identity community seems like laughable to me because there's just so much disagreement on every single aspect of like what it means to be queer and what different sexualities even are and what gender is and what it means to have a gender identity and all of this stuff. So it's funny to be asked to like explain these things because like, and I'm happy to do it. And like Roshan said, I'm available to teachers as a resource if they want it. But like all people who even are part of the community and have that sort of like identity authority behind them, like they are biased. We're all, um, so much of this is based on like what you think and feel about your own identity or what other people think and feel about their identities and have told you. So um, it's definitely really complicated to be asked to speak on it. Yeah, maybe that can lead into our next question. But so what are other challenges that you run into, whether it's within your own community or kind of interacting with the community around you? What are, what are some challenges as well as, we kind of talked about like just preconceived ideas, but just other things that you feel are barriers or 
you wish people to understand more about the queer community? I think Rowan talked a lot about this already, but I'm going to keep just pounding in the idea that like we aren't homogenous in any sense. Like there are so many different labels and different um, different identities that are going into this community. So I think one of the harder things and one of the harder conflicts that occurs in our community and in this community is um, just the mere fact of people not having each other's backs all the time. Just, um, you know, people, I've heard people say that like being uh, of, a, of a minority sexual orientation doesn't mean that you have the same obligations uh, to stand up for people of different or, you know, varying uh, gender, gender, yeah, gender orientations um, or being trans or such and so. So I think that just the mere fact that we aren't unified as we could be, or the fact that being unified is so hard under the circumstances is a really difficult thing to have to navigate. I think something that is kind of a struggle that is unique to like my queer experience rather than any other kind of experience I have is just like the like no other part of my identity is just like told it isn't real like I feel like a big a big thing for gay and trans people is that like you just like people don't believe that you exist the way that you are and that can be really hard because you have to like hide specific parts of yourself to get jobs and then if you reveal that part of yourself either they don't believe you or they do believe you and then they can like fire you if they want or they can like um res like not give you the service that you need even on like a larger legislative level like not letting trans people play in the sports that they want to play in because they don't actually believe they are who they say they are um can be really really difficult to like see and um I played on girls sports team my whole life right and um it's not super fun um especially because there's this idea that like nobody will believe you I just I think the the metaphysical like the metaphysical nature of like queer existence is not something that that like race has because and I'm I have so many experiences that are unique to being Asian too. I'm not saying that like one is harder than the other or anything like that, but um, I think that they're very different. And so I'm just trying to highlight specific st struggles that I think the queer part of me um, experiences more. Yeah, and I think sort of going off of what Roshan said, there's also this aspect of like, you have to, there's this constant, you have to reassure yourself that like, yeah, no, I am this. And like, there, it's very, very easy to fall into this hole of like self-doubt and uh, questioning whether you are real and, and um, because of the way that we see ourselves portrayed in like media and, and the way that we hear ourselves be talked about and stuff it's very easy to um and even discourse within the community itself it's very easy to you know question whether <laughs> it is like even an identity that you have confidently held for a really long time like 
still fits you or you feel like you can still say that or this is becoming hard to articulate (laughs) I feel like I'm not making a lot of sense but um there's definitely like a self-doubt and like you have to have a really strong belief in yourself and, and conviction about who you are um and I know that I have really struggled with that and I know that other people have as well I feel like it's kind of a really difficult part of because you constantly have to justify your sexuality and gender or gender whatever to other people so um if you really believe it I think there's also like people have just straight up been like I think you're going to hell and I would never go to your wedding and like stuff like that is kind of taxing internally and externally because you lose friends and you also um are like am I going to hell and are people gonna go to my wedding like it it, it's it's just kind of like um it's kind of like a like uh, a struggle for like self-identification and then also acceptance from other people and they both like they feed into each other so it's kind of a vicious cycle um because the less people accept you, the less you accept yourself. But if you don't accept yourself very much, you're never going to be open with other people. And um, I think that it's probably the hardest struggle. I think all of us here living in a fairly um, left town and going to a school that is kind of, you know, fairly accepting, um, probably don't have as many experiences with just like like actual violence and stuff but that definitely happens a lot um for lgbt people and um also is definitely a struggle and a fear that we all have will happen to us as you prepare to go off you know rowan you'll you still have a year with us so lucky you but (laughs) and caitlin as you prepare to go off kind of into your next steps um do you envision how you'll find your yourself in that next place and how you'll find a community that you find supportive? Is that something that you're worried about or is that something that you feel like, I mean, most campuses have groups like Spectrum, right? Um, but is that something like now, I'm having a hard time articulating as well, um, but you know, like you've kind of already been through that whole process at uni, right? Trying to figure out who your who your team is and coming out in whatever ways that you feel comfortable and then knowing that you would have to do that again is that something that makes you feel nervous or is that something that makes you feel excited I'm definitely leaning a little bit more towards nervous just by the nature of um people being mean uh but uh um I also I like looking into colleges like one of my things on my little spreadsheet that I had was like queer friendly and how queer friendly are there and are they uh, vocal about it if they have clubs that they support uh, how big are those clubs that kind of thing I've definitely I'm going to the U of I but I've looked into my many colleges that I've looked into about those um, specific topics um, but you know there's the there's the issue of just like finding a roommate who isn't going to be um, a jerk uh, about that kind of thing and that's something if I'm going to be living with that person, there are some secrets that I'd rather not have to keep um, that make me quite nervous. But luckily, it's filling out the housing forms. There's like a little box that you can take that's like, I'm an ally to the community and I wouldn't mind if the person I was living with was on that community uh, and the LGBTQ community. So 
there there are processes that I think are being put in place um, that make me feel a little bit more sure and safe in the college I'm going into, but I'm still I'm still definitely pretty nervous. Actually, like one of the biggest things that went into when I picked colleges was that the college I ended up choosing was like last year, like literally ranked number one in the country for like LGBT acceptance and um, or LGBT friendly or something. Um, so it definitely went into like which college I picked and I'm still nervous because especially with teachers, you have to go and introduce yourself to every single one and how are you going to do that? Um, but I, I, I'm pretty excited because I think this college is going to be pretty queer and um, I've never like, like I've always surrounded myself with queer people. Um, but to just have like that many queer people in one space um, is really exciting and also a little nerve wracking. I do think that there's like we've talked a lot about like having to find your own community, but I do think there are uh, like even throughout history, even like not even like a modern thing, there are like systems set up to help you find your community. Like San Francisco is like a hub and it has been for almost as long as America's existed since like the gold rush. Um, but like my old my my older brother's college that he went to uh, had he he was talking about the fraternities and sororities. He's part of a fraternity and he mentioned a sorority and he's like, oh, yeah, those are like the softball girls. Wink, wink. Um, and I was like, OK, cool. So like anywhere I go, he's like it's an engineering college, a small engineering college that he went to. So like there's but there's there's going to be queer people everywhere, whether you like it or not. You know, and I think that does reassure me in some ways. Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe one more question before we wrap up, but is there anything that you'd like to say to um, people who don't identify as queer and how they can better support you and better and be better allies for you? You know, big thing is just like staying out of our business. Like, just don't ask like personal questions. I mean, if we're on like a podcast like this, then personal questions are the whole thing, right? But if you're just like talking to someone and you're like, hey, like, what's your gender? I feel like that can be really harmful and put people on the spot. And even just like, like, just don't make assumptions about people's personal lives and um, try to just like, if you're not sure if your question is going to um, offend someone or be too personal, wait till you know them better. Like, just don't ask things because I feel like um, you never know what like the mental state of someone is going to be, and um, like queer people are at a higher risk for a lot of um, like mental turmoil and stuff like that. So, also, it's just invasive. Personal questions are just invasive, and I feel like queer people get them a lot because we're just kind of sexualized and um, also pathologized. So. Um, people just kind of feel like it's their business to know things about our personal mental state or like sexual state or anything like that. I think the biggest thing for me is just that like we're all just people. We're just individuals. Um, I think there is no one way to handle like someone coming out to you or um, 
you know, learning that someone is queer or interacting with their identity um, when you're not queer, I feel like, you know, there's definitely stuff like Roshan said, like, don't ask invasive personal questions to people you don't know. That just sort of seems like a basic, you know, rule for social interaction. But um, I think, you know, we are all individual people. We have different comfort levels talking about our sexualities and gender identities. And um, we're like, it's okay if you make mistakes sometimes, like some mistakes are like really bad and you should definitely not make them. But um, like interacting with any other type of person, it's like different people are different, um, different things are gonna bother them. And you just need to be attuned to, you know, how people are feeling and, and like care enough to make an effort to make people comfortable with you because there's no really one size fits all way of handling it. So you just need to sort of try and, you know, I don't know, just like be kind to people, just be nice. <laughs> I think something, just like a little tidbit that I have that overlaps both with Roshan and Rowan's points is just like, don't make it about you. Um, especially if you're the person that someone else is coming out to. Um, if you're not in this community or even if you are and someone's coming out to you, it's not, your place to say, oh, well, I'll try to use the right pronouns, or I don't know, you know, like, it'll be a little tricky, but, or like, oh, I knew that already about you, you know, like, you didn't, that's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the point, it's about this person coming out and trying to feel accepted and accepting them, who they are, congratulating them, or thanking them for telling you, those are all good things, but I don't think making it, making yourself the center of somebody else's um, personal, um, personal life, personal achievements, um, is anything to do with anything and I feel like this goes for queer people too like we've all been on the receiving end of someone coming out as well and um, you know it's it's totally natural to in your own head make it about you because that it's your own head like you think about how you're reacting to things but um, like controlling the way you re respond like with your with your physicality and with your voice and your words all should be about making sure that they are okay so saying things like oh i already knew that or i called it or something or saying like i'll do my best to get your pronouns right instead of like thank you for telling me or something or when you mess up someone's pronouns like making excuses instead of just being like sorry and then correcting yourself all are completely like understandable as reactions in like human psychology but are not helpful for the person who's actually doing the scary thing um, by being open about themselves so i think that's a big way you can just show that you're you have kind of a more nuanced understanding of what it means to be queer than just like saying oh i accept the lgbt people you know like actually like doing like making an effort to like prioritize them if if they um, are choosing to be open with you about something that is very hard to be open about. Well, we have so appreciated this time together and uh, we're so thankful that you are a part of uni and that you agreed to come share your lives with us. 
Um, that's kind of why we wanted to do this podcast series because we wanted just a platform where students can just be open and honest. And what we really wanted to do is just hear your story. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And you all are lovely and beautiful and we're so thankful for you. And uh, yeah, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.